today's episode, I talk about the value of making the most of your time to watch and consume things that are going to help you emerge from this future-proofed and able to help your clients more by knowing more skills, being more creative and a better rounded person. One of the challenges of lockdown is knowing what to do with your time. And to be honest, I was not looking forward to lockdown, but I mean, it, you know, I kind of, I'm used to working either from the office or from home anyway. Uh, and I'm a bit of a workaholic, so it was like an excuse to double down on sort of getting stuff done. But I know that's not normally healthy. And I was kind of thinking, what's the best thing that people can be doing in this time? Because let's face it, eventually our families are going to drive us crazy. And um, it's important to have something to distract us or at least be kind of learning stuff that we think is going to be uh, helping us in the future. So I thought I'd sort of offer a few suggestions on helpful things to be paying attention to uh, that I think will, you know, really be beneficial long term. So the main point being is if we're stuck in lockdown, the things I would sort of say is firstly, I would stay off the news. I don't think it's helpful. I don't think people really know what's going on but they know they need clicks. And I've talked about it before, but the primal brain is wired for danger. So we will continuously check in to find out how many more people have died of this virus. We won't bother to look at news sources of people recovering or check the kind of uh, mortality rate to remind ourselves that it's exceptionally low. We will instead listen to people self-isolating and telling each other that it was like having the devil inside them. Now, my cynical brain says if it's that bad why are you filming yourself in the hospital it can't be that bad if you're on social media but anyway what i would say is stay away from the news it's a load of bullshit and if it's important it will get through to you anyway so once you've done that you'll free up a lot of time and especially mental heartache and pressure so what do you want to do with your time you know what what's important well i wanted to share with you what i think is important and what i'll be doing and it's a balance of things because i find that if i try and do too much kind of self-development it puts me under more pressure um, and if I pay too much attention to my to-do list, which is ever extending like weeds, um, I'm going to, again, make myself anxious and stressed because I'm not getting stuff done. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter. So the things I'm going to do, right, the to-do list, I'm going to apply Warren Buffett's uh, principle. And this is a story where he was talking to his private jet pilot. And I think if I can remember it right, he asked him, OK, so uh, you've been flying with me for quite a while now and I keep seeing you. I want to make sure that I don't see you in future that you've got plans. And you're going to do something with your life. So what are you going to do? And he said, write down everything you want to do. And the guy wrote it down. He said, OK, now you've got about 25, 30 things. Put them in order. So the most important things at the top. And then he said, pick the top three things and then delete everything else. The top three things are the only things that matter. And the other 22 things are things that you must not do because they're going to take away from the top three things. And I think that approach of making a to-do list, putting it in an order of priority and then just picking the main things that are going to move the needle is massive because you just bin off the rest and actually see them as negative because they will be taking time away from the things that matter. So if you do have a big to-do list, do this and turn it into a tiny to-do list and then just focus on those things. Now, for me, as I like to sort of flit about ideas like a hummingbird or a barracuda, I need to have kind of stuff to be jumping to. Um, I know that this isn't good for me long term, uh, you know, productivity, but I also know that's how I'm wired. And if I try, try too long to focus on one thing, I just get bored. I lose all energy and momentum. So I think 
it's always good to have at least one thing to jump to to keep the momentum and sort of enthusiasm high. So if I'm going to have my top three things on my list, I'm going to also have other things that I'm looking forward to kind of consuming or doing. Now, outside of kind of cooking and spending time with loved ones and going for walks on your own, I suppose, if you're allowed, um, then I, these are kind of things. So I would look at it a couple of ways. I'd look at first catch up on the sleep you've missed, because I'm sure we all have denied ourselves sleep. So it's really important to do that. I would watch all the kind of crap films that make you feel good. I think this is kind of like an emotional comfort blanket. I like nothing more to dive into sort of 80s movies and Cheers and Parks and Rec and all those kind of things because the escapism not only kills time but it also makes me feel better. I know that these things make me feel better. So that's really important as well. Um, so I would recommend you kind of getting things on Netflix and Amazon Prime that you enjoy uh, and sticking to those and using them regularly and often to like have an excuse to get people around the TV um, so we can all cough at each other and watch a nice film. I think that's, you know, for me, that, that that's something I do, which I think is really important. Outside of doing that kind of thing, I have to kind of look at, OK, what can I be learning that's going to help me in the future? And by that, I mean, what are the skills that I need to learn that are actually going to help me um, in the world that is going to be available after this virus is, is over? And I kind of... Look, I could be proven wrong, but I, I would say that this will be over in under three months because I think the incentive to fix it from a monetary point of view is enormous. And I think people get bored of things pretty quickly. And judging by all the other terrible things that have gone on in our past, they all kind of pass pretty quick. So in three months, when the economy is not probably starting to recover, but businesses are thinking about getting back out there, you need to be in a position to help them. Um, you need to think about, OK, what can I do to help these businesses go back to business? What skills can I offer? What might they want from me? And if you can do that, you're going to be planning ahead. And I think that this is about planning to thrive in a world that is post sort of coronavirus. And by that, I mean probably an online centric world, particularly online education, online skills. Um, so when it comes to doing stuff like learning, I think it's really important that you kind of look at what are the courses that I could do that will have skills that I can make money with? So uh, I would say things like there's Dustin Lee does an amazing uh, passive income for designers course, which I think he's doing a discount at the moment. That's great because that's going to tell you and teach you from someone who's enormously successful how to build a product or a service, um, you know, many products that can be downloaded infinitely online. Uh, that is going to give you an additional revenue stream. And for me, the, the advantage of that is if you learn how that works, you can then sell that knowledge to your clients who won't have the time or the wherewithal to learn about it, but you might well do. So it's important to pick things like that, which are going to help you and almost generate not only money for yourself, but also generate money for your clients. So if you're doing that kind of stuff, I think that's going to make an enormous difference. So I would say look at the courses out there that I think that are going to really benefit you. And if I look at kind of the ones that I've signed up for, which I think are worth doing, um, for me, I did obviously the um, passive income for design is is really good. That's up there. That's a, that's a big one. There is stuff on uh, the Udemy, which is fairly cheap and teachable and Skillshare and Creative Live, which are all good. The Future has great courses as always. You know, I'm always impressed by them. The Middle Finger Project is another good course. These are all kind of aimed at freelancers and freelance education. 
for me, I'm looking at courses which are going to elevate what I do and that are going to have knock-on effects so that I can sell that knowledge to my clients or at least help my clients with that knowledge. So this, when I say courses, look at that and bear that in mind, but also move one step beyond and think, okay, what's the software that I need to be learning that's going to help them do that? So if I'm podcasting and I want to sort of teach online, what I typically use is Zoom to do all my calls because um, a lot of people can be on the call, I can share my screen, I can record the call both as an audible audio file and a video file. So that's really useful for me. And although that is like, I think, between 10 and 15 pounds a month, I see that as a a really good investment just for teaching and amassing content. So that would be something like I would learn how to use Zoom properly. Um, I would also learn how to do a podcast. And for me, I've switched from Libsyn to Anchor.fm. And this is what you'll be listening to now. And for me, uh, I'm sure there are things such as, you know, maybe the quality of audio is not as good or whatever that might be. But for convenience and ease of use, Anchor's phenomenal. It's got an app on the phone, which I'm using to record to now. And you can do it on your desktop and you can invite people to leave you messages and call in like a phone call. So for me, having that option to be able to kind of record what's on my mind and quickly publish it is more important than paying a subscription service to Libsyn between sort of seven and twelve dollars a month. Uh, and then you've got an audio editor because I'm less bothered at this stage about the audio quality, but really the quality of the content. So learning Anchor and Zoom is going to give you a massive advantage. Other things would be kind of learning how to use YouTube, you know, so that's thumbnails, captions, YouTube live, that kind of stuff, because again, it's going to benefit you, but it's more more so going to benefit your clients. Same with Facebook Live and those kind of things. How to set up a Facebook group, um, how to create graphics for that group. These are all really simple things that I'm doing myself and I've recommended clients do. But in the process of saying to clients, this is a good chance to kind of start a private Facebook group for your clients and where you can help them and sort of, you know, talk to them and communicate with them through this tough time, then why not? I could roll that out to all my clients as a service. And and if I was to do that, I would need to be able to say, this is how Zoom works. This is how Anchor works. This is how Facebook groups work. And here are some graphics for you. I could sell that as a built-in kind of like package. I could even say, look, it's £500, but you can pay me £100 a month for five months and I'll set it all up for you. That's some way I'm going to, I'm not doing this. I probably think I should be. But it's not difficult because I'm doing it already and then I can turn that into a skill. And if I stagger the payments, when we come out of this, they'll be able to afford it. So I kind of think these are the things we've got to double down on, kind of what you know, what you're learning and then how you can help your clients. So that would be the big thing is kind of what's the future going to look like post coronavirus? How can you take advantage of that? What are the skills you need to learn so that you're more nimble and also that you can transfer on and sell that knowledge to your clients? The other thing was, and this is probably the main reason for jumping on and recording this, is what we choose to watch and consume in this time is going to make a big difference to kind of the people we are in the future. Now, I know that's a really grand statement, but at its most basic, if you watch stuff you wouldn't normally watch, it's going to give you ideas you wouldn't normally have. So when I talk about being creative, and most of us are very creative people, One of the things we'll struggle with is either creative block or often that we end up producing designs that feel similar or familiar. Now, this is perfectly natural because quite often we'll see designs will be on Pinterest, will be on Instagram. And, you know, it's natural to kind of resonate 
we gravitate toward designs that resonate with us. The trouble is that our designs can become a bit one dimensional. And the value of anyone who's who's creative is the ability to kind of come up with new ideas. And I've talked before about the, you know, the importance of new ideas, which is if you see something new for the first time, it captures your attention. So this is why when you see something unusual or you see great content from an account, they often have better followers and more followers because they're always showing surprising content. So what we need to do is if we're going to come up with ideas that are going to surprise our audience, we need to expose ourselves to different points of reference. And by that, I mean, when you come up with an idea, so typically let's, let's break it down. So I would always say that when it comes to being creative, the first bit is always going to be filling your mind with general stimulus. So that's different things and, and new things and having those unusual reference points. So if I get colour from interior designers or I take creative inspiration from chefs, I'm moving outside of the kind of design branding world to get my influences. And being inspired and being influenced by people has, has been true of, of history. There are so many artists and musicians and everyone who will take inspiration from someone else and put their own spin on it and then do something with it. So this is perfectly natural. You can be inspired by nature, by books, by films, everything. So what that does is if you have more unusual reference points to draw from, when you are given a brief to come up with a solution, that's when you're going to remember those things. And in order to bring them out of your brain, doing a low-level activity is really important because it changes the brain waves in your brain, I think from, I think, beta, which is sort of activity-focused kind of brainwaves, to alpha, which is more like daydreaming. And when, when we're daydreaming, our subconscious is given more freedom to think and by giving our subconscious more freedom to think, we'll draw upon our deeper sort of reservoir of information. And that's when we'll start to link ideas together. And this is why when you can go to sleep on something and wake up and have an idea, your subconscious is always kind of ticking away, trying to solve problems. So the reason why I mention all of this is if you want to become a better creative person and you want to do better work and have better ideas and surprise and delight people, we need to start by filling the tanks with unusual creative stuff now. And this is what I'm talking about by future-proofing yourself. So when you come out of this, you come out full of ideas, full of new stuff, because what everyone else will be doing is paying attention to the news and social media. And they'll be reinforcing their already fairly rigid beliefs in an echo chamber of basically scaremongering. So I don't want you to get trapped into that. Um, it's all to do with self-purposing agendas. You know, the news people want to sell ads. And social media wants to keep you on there to sell ads. It's all about selling ads. So what we need to do is get off. And this is where I would say, look, right, what is going to surprise you? What documentaries are you going to watch that are going to change your worldview and are going to be like, wow, that's really interesting. For example, there is a Korean documentary and I think it's called like The Life of a Snail. But it's about a guy who is blind, who is, I think he's got gigantism, but he's over, he's huge. He's very tall and he's blind and deaf. And his girlfriend is tiny. She's like a dwarf. And she communicates with him by she puts the tips of her fingers on the backs of his hand like a piano and starts to play the back of his hand like a piano to talk to him. You have to see it to believe it, but it's, it's extraordinary. And it t tells their kind of story and their life and what their world is. And that is in itself is fascinating because you never knew these people existed. Other things like Chef's Table is always astounding because you get to learn about these chefs and their creative obsession and their passions, which is really inspiring. 
and visually and audibly it's beautifully put together it's such a high quality production on netflix <coughs> pardon me the other thing to look at is abstract which is a show about art and creativity on netflix that's also great um I don't want the content to become too art and design heavy. But like I said, Abstract features excellent people from different industries and disciplines. And what you get is an insight into the brain of someone who's brilliant. But also you can see the overlapping themes that no matter what industry you're in, as a creative person, those kind of things are always happening. So those things, Chef Table, Abstract, uh, good documentaries. Um, I usually find I would go to Wikipedia and look at Oscar award winning documentaries. That's quite interesting. You've got uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. You've got, like, they're quite old ones. Now, there's some really good ones on Netflix, like uh, Making a Murderer. Uh, look, I, I, what I would say is I can't remember them off the top of my head now. But when you, if you want good quality documentaries, the place I go is I'll go and look at the Oscar-nominated ones and the Sundance-nominated ones. I'll then go on YouTube, and usually you can find the full documentary on there. By watching those documentaries and just immersing yourself in those stories, I promise you that will bleed out in your work. Now, the other flip side of this is taking time to kind of find commonalities and really good comedy and really good films that are sort of, again, award winning. So I think if we're going to create ideas that have uh, common reference points in popular culture, then it is probably not a bad idea to revisit classic TV shows like Seinfeld and Friends, The Simpsons, um, also... You know, any film that's won an Oscar, The Joker, The Green Book, pardon me, all that. If you haven't seen it, now's the time to see it. Because, again, you're going to find commonalities and analogies and metaphors and examples that you can use, not only in your work, but when you're teaching to people, that they would have seen. So it becomes much, much easier. So here's an example. I was having a meeting the other day and the client, she was a, a coach, but she helps people by effectively she listens to their problems and by listening and not saying too much the person talking ends up solving the problem themselves and she doesn't she has to work very hard because she has to not say anything and it takes a real skill to do that but by not saying anything they're allowed to unravel the problem anyway there is a scene in one of the tinkerbell films where there is an owl on a branch and all the fairies come and sit next to the owl and they do just that they sort of talk rumble talk on and they resolve the problem because the owl can't speak. It doesn't say anything. It just looks at them. And then they leave and go, oh, my God, you're so wise. And they leave with their problem resolved and happy. And when I said that, she was like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. That's funny. The point being is she could now use that clip to illustrate the value of what she does in a way that other people who've seen Tinkerbell will instantly understand it. And so it's really important to have these reference points and to be watching these shows because you're going to find things that are going to demonstrate your problem or what you're trying to say better than you can. And even if you find really weird and unusual things, um, that's a conversation starter with people. And then we relate this back to our audience, such as uh, who are we talking to? So in this case, if I said like hospitality businesses, yeah, they're going, they're having an, a truly horrific time. So this is the time where it's probably good to watch shows that are from their industry that they might want to watch because if you know a bit more about their industry you can be sympathetic you can start conversations you can help them you can teach through those shows you can use examples of people in those shows for them to watch all of this as well as you know filtering your social feeds so you only consume content from people who inspire you 
this is where I would say, like, if you want to look into colour, look at photographers, interior designers and artists. They're always masters of colour because they have to use colour in environments where the light's always changing. So for me, if I want to be inspired by colour, I'd never, ever look at digital UX, UI designers because their colours are always very much on a screen. There's no element of mixing paint together. And I learned through art and art history, if you really want to understand paint and colour, you have to be painting. It really helps. So when people say, oh, that blue's a bit cold or it's a bit warm, you understand that because of the tones that are underneath that colour. So you learn colour from those people. And then you might say, right, well, if I want to learn colour from those people, what, where, who can I learn photography from? And who can I learn design from? And maybe I would go to the art sort of area of art and culture and museums to learn about photography. I don't know. The, the point being is if we cross-pollinate from different areas, we always create something new. And I can see this definitely in if you take... So if I'm doing packaging for a beer, but then I cross-pollinate that with packaging for a high-end fashion brand or almost like candy packaging, and I bring those sensibilities and styles to a beer product it looks weird and it looks unusual but that juxtaposition that jarring of what we're not used to because beer traditionally is, is quite traditional and it's sort of golds and blacks and whites and it's what we've seen in pubs and bars but now you're seeing a lot of kind of new brands take this look on and it's this thing of taking what has always been say very common in one industry and applying it to another is going to give you a head start because you're going to create something unusual and people won't have seen it before and they'll really respond to it. So if I was to say I'm going to take food but I'm going to market it like a high-end fashion label, that's going to be unusual and vice versa. I'm going to market a fashion label a bit like a food brand. The point being is it might not be right but it's going to stretch your brain to think in different ways and this is the time to do that. This is the time to feel good by watching Friends remembering all those funny stories and bits and then it's good to kind of go do you know what I'll watch something which I wouldn't normally watch because I've got time to kill and I'm going to absorb it and process it so these this like I said if you're doing that you're going to be filling your brain again reading books is a good thing just fill it listening to podcasts you don't normally listen to um, I love the dollop that's always great um, but if you fill it with stuff this will leak out in your work in the future so the combination of taking the time away from the news to fill it with interesting tv podcasts and reading and conversations and then learning skills which not only will future-proof you and equip you to be better off when you you know come out of this and then you can sell to your clients that's the win-win that's the opportunity because in between that it's quality time with people you love it's overeating the stuff you've been hoarding which you probably wish you hadn't and it's sleeping we should all be coming out of the coronavirus fat and happy and more prepared than we went in. And this is the opportunity in it. This is the chance to develop yourself. And if you've still got the energy to share that by developing other people, I would always draw a line between teach what you know versus share what you learn. It's very easy to share what you learn. There's no barrier to entry. That's why everyone who does it, particularly in design, will always quote Marty Neumeyer, Seth Godin and Chris Doe. They always quote the same people and Chris Doe and whoever will quote someone else. It's the same thing. There is a very tight sort of resource 
of books that everyone quotes and they each time it gets more watered down and bastardized because they're not reading the book and applying the knowledge and then learning and then teaching about their their learning experience they're just repurposing quotes they've read and you know summaries they've seen on youtube don't fall into that trap that's all bullshit read the books apply the learning fail understand where you went wrong apply it again and succeed and teach the winning formula Elevate yourself above the idiots and prove that you can do what they can't because anyone can read a book and write a quote down. Very few people can read a book, apply the learning, understand where they went wrong, reapply the learning until they get success and then teach that succinctly. This is our opportunity to not reminisce about this time because it is awful, but there's something about times of hardship which bring people together. People are nicer. We stop being arseholes to people, to each other. We, we stop being so selfish as a culture. And this is the time. So like I said, make the most of it. Enjoy it. And before you do sit down to have a day in front of the TV binge watching crap, just occasionally put in a documentary that might test you. You never know where it might come in useful in the future. So thanks as always. I really enjoy doing these. I hope they're helpful for you. I urge you to send me your questions. I need questions for the podcast. I'll leave a link in the Facebook group and I will answer all your questions because I think we can get through this together. And I want people to know. I want this to share and grow um, because I think it can really help people. So as always, I'll say thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Share and subscribe. You can join the Facebook group. Just search Thaducation. You can find me at thaducation.com. My email is thad at thaducation. I'm easy to get in touch with. I'm at Thaducation on Instagram. I want to grow this, but I want to grow it based on what you want from it. There's no point in me guessing what I think you want. You have to tell me. And if you tell me, I promise I will answer it and I will do it. So send me a message, send me a DM, email me, whatever. Send me a raven. I'm up for it. And tell your friends. They might find it useful as well. Have a great day. I'll catch you soon.